I hope you're having a great day today. My name is George Papianis. I'm the Chief of Media Services at UNESCO in Paris, France, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. And today I have with me a very special guest who is the Assistant Director General of the Culture Sector for UNESCO, Francesco Bandarin. Hello, everybody. Hello, Francesco. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we're just starting what would be, in our minds, an occasional podcast where we'll be looking at issues of culture. Uh, And uh, for now, we'll just call it Talking About Culture and have a conversation with uh, Francesco Bandarin, who this summer had quite... A summer holiday <laughs> was actually summer work because <laughs> I had two two very complex uh, missions in very extraordinary places. But it was it was really a solid work that, you know, as you know, we do all the times to try to ensure the conservation of sites around the world. And we have uh, the World Heritage Convention is uh, our you know most uh, say well known. Uh, program and uh, the World Heritage Convention protects over a thousand sites in the world. But you know, to protect the sites, you had sometimes to go and have a look and see what uh, how the the managers are managing and whether there are problems and so on. So these two missions were in fact uh, linked to this activity, which UNESCO does quite extensively, and it's certainly a guarantee for for the conservation of these sites. Well, I, I think you're going to make a lot of people jealous out there because there's no question that uh, people are always talking about their bucket list when it comes to World Heritage. Just out of curiosity, how many World Heritage sites have you visited? <laughs> well, I don't keep account, but I think I'm uh, about about half, about 500 maybe. Uh, there's a thousand sites a lot. Uh, also, they add every year. They add about 20, so you know, in 20 different countries. So it's not easy to keep track. But I think uh, in all all in my career, I've visited about half of those you know, amazing sites. Well, two of those of those sites that you visited. Um, are uh, Wrangell Island, and yep. the other is uh, uh, La Cueva de, de los Manos, yeah, the uh, Cave of the Hands. Yeah, in Patagonia. And so Wrangell Island up in the North Pole, Russian Federation, and we go f- down to Patagonia in the south for uh, the Cave of the Hands. Um, polar opposites, uh, but something that connects them. What, no. what was it for you? So the, the Wrangel Island was the most complex thing to organize. You know, going to Wrangel Island is really, really difficult. And uh, even with the support of the Russian authority and the, you know, the means that we had at our disposal, we were lucky. We were, getting, we were lucky to get there according to the plan. Normally, People have to wait two weeks until there is an opening, and this uh, this place is really deep in the Arctic, and it's uh, uh, in the extreme part of Siberia. It's not; uh, it's really almost close to Alaska. In fact, it's it's as you know, as close to Alaska as to to the mainland of Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to get there, you need to have be lucky. Uh, but somebody has to wonder now. Well, what, what what are you talking about? This is a World Heritage site. What's so well, what's know, so important about Wrangell well, Island? Know, I, I, of course. Uh, uh, this is a very special place. Let me say why. Uh, this place is a, it's an island about uh, maybe 100 kilometers in width. So it's not a big island, but uh, it has a size. That happened happened to uh, escape the last gra- great glaciation of the Earth. The last ice age. last ice age, uh, which you know, started 40,000 years ago and ended about 12,000 years ago. Uh, that was the last moment in which you know, the, north, the northern and southern part of the earth were covered by ice. And from reasons linked to the geography and the, and the streams and so on, this island was not glaciated, was not covered by ice, mm. uh, which means that 
the vegetation that we have today has a continuity with the vegetation that existed before the last ice age. So this is the only place in the entire Arctic uh, uh, region that escapes the ice age. So, so the last ice age, I mean, uh, we're going back thousands of years. Thousands of years. In fact, it ended 12,000 years ago, roughly. Huh? But so we have a continuity of the flora and, and the fauna that before the ice age. It's very, very special. Uh, there's no other place. No other place in, uh, in North America, no other place in, uh, in, in Europe or in the Arctic uh, of Russia that, that has escaped this uh, uh, this, uh, and it's, it's linked really to a peculiar position in the geography. So this makes it makes very, very rich in biodiversity. It's, you know, I, I was there with, uh, with some specialists uh, uh, from the Canadian Arctic and they were amazed to see, you know, that this island has hundreds and hundreds of uh, uh, flora species and so on, which don't exist in the Arctic. And so this makes it very special. And of course, it's the kingdom of some of the most extraordinary uh, animals on earth, the polar bear and the walrus uh, and the musk ox. Uh, I mean, they, they're, they're in the wild. There is no. Now, that musk ox, when I saw some photos of that, I had to say that I thought we were going back into prehistory. It is a very, very, it's, it's a prehistoric animal and uh, that has been, has found in this island a very good environment. Although it's a very harsh environment. Now, the island, it can only go two months a year. I mean, the rest of the year is frozen and uh, completely inaccessible. So it's really not an easy, an easy place to, to, to go. Also, you know, you, you can't really, you know, you have to be careful because they, you know, these wild animals are there. Right? So especially the, the polar bear, they, they circulate all around. And so if you go, if you go out uh, alone, you better be careful. So basically you take <laughs> your life into your own hands. <laughs> well, well, they give you one of these, uh, you know, alert flames. And in case the bear is there, you just activate the thing and the bear goes away. You but, hope. Yeah, but you, but the, the, the advice of the park rangers is before you open the door, have a look around. Carefully. Carefully. <laughs> of course, the bear, I saw many. Eh? I saw many, many polar bears. They, they don't like very much the noise of the engines that we had a little kind of a, a very big jeep mm -hmm. uh, with six wheels and kind of a lunar rover kind of thing to, to, to go around. So they don't like the, the engine, the no sound of the engine, so they stay a little bit away. But you could see, I could see, we could see them everywhere. So you basically, could, I mean, you get out of, you get out of your jeep, right? You yeah. put your feet on the ground and... The, well, they the, told the, us, the, the don't, don't go more than 50 meters away from the car, which we did, of course. And right. Of co because I was enchanted by an enormous uh, uh, group of walrus. Like, uh, there were like 500 of those. It's huge. Mm -hmm. you know? So I wanted to take uh, pictures and movies of the walrus. And we had to be very careful because the walrus are very shy. So if you run, uh, they will run away. Mm -hmm. So you have to walk very slowly and so on so in order to approach them at like, maybe maximum 50 yards or so. And so we, we forgot about the recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like maybe three, 400 meters from the car. And, and, the, and the bear came, and the bear came, of course, the bear was there, so, so there was a moment of alert, uh -huh. <laughs> and of course the bear was scared, and then the bear went away, but, uh, but he, he was coming and see wh who was disturbing his environment. And yet, you're there, and you're part of, again, prehistory in the sense of the, the, the flora, for example, are pre-icing. Yeah, it's, it's like this, and then uh, you, you feel it, you know, it's really pristine, uh, primeval place uh, that, of course, our duty is to maintain it like this. What was the purpose of your mission? The purpose of the mission was to, was the first mission ever 
to inspect, so to say, or to have a look at jointly with the members of the uh, Ministry of Natural Resources of Russia of the situation of the island. Whether, you know, we wanted to understand whether there were uh, problems in the management, and we wanted to ascertain two uh, impacts. One of uh, the new uh, oil explorations that, uh, that Russia has authorized in the vicinities, and, um, and also of the military, but the military we, we couldn't uh, access no, because it was not allowed by, by uh, it was like a cover by secret. So uh, we, we didn't go. We are just uh, uh, waiting now for a report from, from the Russian authorities. So we wanted to, because the, the World Heritage Committee has, you know, been informed of these potential threats. No? Oil, oil exploration in the neighborhood <laughs> will be very, very... Uh, it, could, it, could be, it could be problematic. Could be problematic. So, one, of course, it's not. The, there's no drilling at the moment. There's no extraction. It's just they did some uh, some initial uh, search and exploration of a possibility of having gas and, and and oil. But you know, you know, extracting oil from uh, from the Arctic is a very expensive operation. So, for the time being, with the oil price being so low, we have uh, no risk for that. But we also especially looked at the management issues. And as I said earlier, there is an enormous amount of debris and uh, you know material that was brought in and very, very little has been brought out. Now the Russians have cleaned one of the areas, but the one that I saw was you know, quite, uh, uh, quite impressive. And there are over 100,000 pieces of uh, oil drums, mm-hmm. uh, f- fuel, and they were brought there in the past 50 years and they're all rusting there. So it's, you know, it's really urgent to carry them out. Uh, and, but this is a complex operation. It can only be done two months a year. You need to have a ship coming from Vladivostok. You have to have machines to compress and squeeze all these uh, oil drums, put them in containers. I mean, it's very expensive and very complicated to do. So we uh, are negotiating with them, you know, a five-year term, you know, to, to, to carry... To it carry out to this... Ca- yeah, to carry out thing. And, you know, there is a commitment for that, but, you know, then we have to do it. So, so uh, and also we looked at the situation in, in terms of tourism. There's a little bit of tourism, not much. Uh, fortunately, and, uh, but you know there are ships, uh, cruise ships that come. Um, not many. Uh, I would say maybe five, six a year. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about very, very limited impact. Uh, tourists come out of uh, the ship, they disembark, they stay two, three hours on the island, and then go away. And some of them, a few of them, are helped by the uh, by the park service to do a crossing of the island. But we're talking about five people at the time. So I mean, it's a very limited impact. Um, what's the, well, let me ask you, what's the snapshot you have of this trip? I mean, if you if, when you think about this trip, what's the image that that pops into your head? Well, of course, uh, the, the the, the fauna is very impressive. Uh, when you have a <laughs> when you see a polar bear <laughs> or a walrus, I can tell you it's something that uh, remains in your imagination, especially in their natural habitat. Yes, absolutely. This is like an open air place. I mean, it's, it's completely wild. There's not one single road in the place. Uh, you just go, have to go in, in the nature uh, as it is. So it's a very pristine, a very 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 beautiful, and very. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a small paradise of Arctic fauna that we really need to protect. And uh, and then it was off to <coughs> Patagonia. Off to Patagonia. I was uh, uh, there for a very interesting discussion with the Argentinian uh, colleagues because they, they have this site, uh, which is uh, this prehistoric site uh, where all these uh, image Imagine, you know, caves. Uh, there are many, you know, in this uh, canyon system. There are many caves, but you know, one of them is particularly visible where, you know, uh, since 10,000 years, the hunter-gatherers, the people that were you know, inhabiting the place, had left a trace on the form of the shape of their hand. They are negative hands. They're not positive. I mean, they're not imprint of the hand. They're actually you know, uh, hands that are 
the mark of the hand is left by blowing the paint on the hand. Mm -hmm. that is now. So you, you, what you get on the rock is the, is the negative of, mm -hmm. the, of the hand. And there are thousands of them. So in, f in fact, it was a way for these hunter-gatherers, which are nomadic population of, uh, of the Neolithic time, to, to leave a mark of their presence and their passage in these places. Uh, and some of them are quite beautiful because of the, the colors and the, that are used, ochre, red, white, uh, uh, that, that gives a very special image of the passage of these civilizations uh, in, in the place. Um, the place is very beautiful itself. It's like a, a canyon. Imagine like the Grand Canyon or something like this. Very similar in terms of... Uh, and so in, the canyon was used by... For the, I think they were living at the bottom of the canyon and they were using the canyon uh, for hunting. Uh, there was only, there is only one big animal they, they could hand, hunt. You know, in, in the Americas, there, is, there are no big animals. There is only one, the guanaco. You know? Which looks like a llama. It, it, llama is actually a domesticated version of the guanaco. Uh -huh. It comes from the guanaco. But the original is the guanaco. And the guanaco is, um, you know, the, in the Americas, there are no, no other big species mm -hmm. because they, the horses were extinct. You know, the prehistoric horses that existed. There is no cow. There is nothing. You know, it's, it, the, all, the, all the domesticable species are in the Eurasian context. In the American context, there's only the guanaco. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're speaking with so. uh, Francesco Bondarin, who is the Assistant Director General uh, for Culture at UNESCO, who is uh, telling us some fantastic stories about two trips that he took uh, this summer as he was uh, on mission uh, to... Um, Wrangell Island, uh, which uh, we've covered in the first part of our uh, discussion, and now talking about uh, uh, the Cave of the Hands. Um, I have to tell you, though, when I, when I was looking at some of the images, and you were talking about this being the negative handprint, there's something, there's something that is almost ghostly about it. <laughs> no, I think it's... Uh, no, I haven't had this impression being there. Actually, I had the impression of something very lively. Uh, you know, these people uh, lived there 10,000, 9,000, 7,000 years ago. I mean, really, really a long time ago. And yet, their, their trace is, very, is there and very visible and brilliant. A very brilliant red, brilliant to a white. I mean, so I think uh, in a way it's quite... Uh, uh, for me, it was a sign of life, a sign mm -hmm. of continuity, and a sign of uh, very but beautiful. The, but the hands kind of speak to you from, from, from well, from, what, 12,000 years ago? What? I yeah, mean, that's, uh, yeah, you look at those images, and it looks like they're waving at you. But, you know, you have to think that f what was the meaning for them? You know, this is, I was there with a, a very important archaeologist, the one that has discovered everything and has spent all his life you know, in uh, trying to interpret this. He thinks that, you know, you're reconstructing the, the way in which these people were living, that they were, you know, essentially using these caves as a kind of a temporary uh, shelter for during their hunting season. So they were there in groups, probably all men, and the hunters were there trying to get as many guanacos as they could in the good season, uh, because the guanacos was everything. It was the, it was the meat, it was the, 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 the clothing, uh, everything they, 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 uh, they, they, they got from this animal. Mm -hmm. um, and so they were probably spending a long time in these caves uh, waiting for, 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 the, for the hunting, and uh, so they, they created this uh, form of presence in these caves. Um, he also told me very, something very interesting, that they have found a way to make these traces very, very stable. Very stable. I mean, they're 10,000 years, and they're essentially 
you know, ochre, earth, you know, mm-hmm. so very, say, uh, soft material. Well, they found a chemical composition, they created a chemical composition by heating um, gypsum, you know, uh, to 100 degrees, and this created a special uh, chemical component that, in fact, crystallized uh, immediately, and uh, it's still there after 10,000 years. And uh, so they made it really, really, uh, uh, you know, for them... Was Wait, a, so you mean to tell me that... These indigenous communities who were leaving this cave art actually figured out a way to preserve it. Well, no, figured out a way to make them very stable. Stable uh, to stable. So, but yeah, they so wanted it to be there. Yeah, they, they, they wanted they, to, to they stay there. They had a sense yeah. of place, but also an, an understanding of the future. Yeah, they wanted this, this thing to be, uh, you know, a very stable sign, mm-hmm. so that when they come back after years and years because this is a very large a very big region so they maybe they they came back to the same place after after uh, 20 years or something they could still find their trace of their hands is that that's uh-huh. my, that's my passage uh-huh so well, maybe uh, this is the key to the cave yeah the key <laughs> to the cave is but you know very often caves are, have very very few occupations mm-hmm. in fact uh, even e- here in europe when you find the cave you find that they, the caves are occupied very very you know every so many years sometimes many hundreds of years you know and so it's probably it's probably the, the, the this kind of thing it's like a mark left by the hunters uh, when they were you know, using that cave as a shelter, mm-hmm. and there are many. Uh, there are over over a hundred that have been discovered in this uh, along this canyon. And in fact, the reason of my mission was essentially to discuss with them ways in which we could extend the original inscription, the original site that was inscribed in the World Heritage List, to the entire canyon territory. Because I think it would be a great, uh, great. Uh, it is a great idea, and it's a great proposal. So we're going to do it now. We're going to create a much larger. Uh, uh, heritage site, which includes uh, all the hundred, uh, the uh, over a hundred uh, uh, sites where you can find the, the hands. Of course, this has some complication because uh, you know property rights and so on. But you know, I, th- we discussed with many of the owners, and they are okay. They are they are interested because you know this place is is very. There is nothing there. They're, they're essentially guanacos. <laughs> but uh, there are also other animals there which are very interesting. For instance, the puma. Mm. Pumas everywhere. So, so Another predator that you encountered while you were on this visit. So there's a connection between Wrangell yeah, Island and Patagonia. And I saw also the mountain eagle, mm-hmm. which is a very is a big predator, and the condor, which is not a predator. Another one, but, yes. But, no, it's not a predator. The condor is a, is a, eats uh, the uh, rotten meat, but, but, uh, but they're, they're beautiful. Uh, these condors are enormous. enormous uh, three right. meters uh, span, wing span is really amazing. Well, I have to say we're happy that uh, you survived both the polar bear and the puma. <laughs> it's great to have you back, and Thank thanks you. so much for sharing these experiences. It's uh, it's a wonderful to hear such uh, great stories about places that are not necessarily easily accessible, um, but certainly uh, very important parts of the uh, the family of world heritage sites. They're important. And it's very important to protect them because well, because they're very valuable places, and you know we want the, these places to be to exist in the future. For ourselves and for the future generation. Because they speak to us. It is not only the best of what uh, man has created, but also also the best of what we have been given as a gift from nature. Thanks so much. Francesco Banderin, a real pleasure to to have this conversation with you. Thanks a lot. Francesco Banderin is the uh, Assistant Director General of Culture at UNESCO. I'm George Pompianis. I'm the uh, Chief of Media Services. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation and uh, we'll be... Uh, doing these uh, again 
Uh, looking forward to uh, more stories about uh, what our uh, colleagues in uh, culture and world heritage are up to. So for now, wishing you uh, a great day and uh, hope to uh, see you soon.